tonight's episode of the Genius Series Podcast and the Genius Series Podcast Network is brought to you by Bond & Co Menswear. With only one active case left in New Zealand, we know things will begin to normalise again. Social gatherings, events will start to become part of everyday life and you're going to need something to wear to those events. Our presenting sponsor, Bond & Co Menswear, have got you covered with dinner suits, shirts, trousers, even casual wear. Located at 55 Devonport Road in Tauranga, go see Jason and his team and tell them you listen to the Genius Series podcast and you'll get 10% off. Alright, coming up today, um, bit of an apology first and foremost, not really that happy about the audio quality, but that's something I'll work on and hopefully get right for next episode. Uh, but we had Elena Campbell in from Iowa State University, she's a Taranga local but she's been playing golf over there for the last three or so years. Uh, we chatted about her journey from beginning to about now. Um, her encounters, her encounters, sorry, with New Zealand ladies golf professional Lydia Ko, and her experience as a student athlete at ISU. So, really good chat. I think you guys are really going to like it. Let's uh, come up next. Barack Obama of Illinois will be the next president of the United States. And we are calling it iPhone. Leonardo DiCaprio. Kane <laughs> Williamson under pressure does the business. Oh, they say this will never happen. Yeah. Alright, we're recording this on Monday the 1st of June, first day of winter. It's uh, just gone 12pm. I'm here with Elena Campbell of... Iowa State University. Elena, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for coming in. This is pretty exciting. Yeah, no, it is. I'm looking forward to sort of giving some insight, I guess, into what I've been up to. Yep. So, Elena is an Iowa State cyclone, a women's golfer on the women's golf team. Um, And you've been back home since, what, before COVID kind of hit New Zealand? When did you get back in the country? Yeah, so I got back into the country. um, It was... The Monday before lockdown. So I would already spent a week in lockdown before the whole country went back in. Oh, so you were isolating, coming back in. Right. Yeah, and then the whole country went back in. So that yeah. made me feel better than it could have been. Yeah. It would have been a long time otherwise. What was it like being overseas when that um, was all going on? It was actually very scary. It happened so quickly over there. Yeah. Like within probably four days, you'd gone from your season still going and then all of a sudden everything's just been cancelled. So like following Twitter... You would just refresh it, and there'd be new updates coming. Basically, every five minutes, through something would happen. So it was yeah, it was pretty crazy. Were you and the team talking about what the implications could be and that sort of thing leading up to it? Did you know it was happening, or it kind of just happened and you all of a sudden had to fly home? Well, it was basically we all of a sudden had to fly home. So we were in um, Arizona not long before that. Yeah, and we were just. I was walking around the airport in bare feet and in socks. <laughs> Basic Kiwi. <laughs> yeah. And Coach really doesn't appreciate it when I do that. And she's like, oh, you're going to get coronavirus. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then um, we get back and, like, I don't, can't remember how long. It must have been, like, a week before. And all of a sudden, school's, like, shutting down and they're just like, yeah, season's cancelled and Big 12's is cancelled and you can go home. I was like, oh, this is, this is happening quickly. Wow. Did you realise... <laughs> how big COVID-19 was at that point or did you think oh it's some virus that'll go through and I'll be able to stay on or you no, knew how big it was we thought it was a bit of a, a joke not gonna lie we thought it was just a cold and yeah. stuff but I mean when you go to the airports and these Houston airport is like really busy Kansas City I flew out of that's normally so busy and no one been in those airports and it's been airy it was 
actually terrifying flying yeah. home because you don't know if your flight was going to be cancelled like was I going to make it home in time were they going to sort of cancel the internal flights we just didn't know mm. what was going to happen so. even if you're going to get sick on the way home that sort of thing as yeah well. and that was a bit dicey as well so it was a bit hit and miss but my coach um, we booked a flight Sean and I my brother coming home on the Tuesday and then um, my coach was in Florida and on the Sunday night at like 9 o'clock she messaged me and she's like you need to get going before all the internal flights shut down. So the Sunday at, like, 11 p.m., I was basically in the car down to Kansas to my brother's um, KU University to get home. So it was very Whoa. fast happening. And in yeah. the meantime, they're trying to change flights to Monday, and yeah. it was just crazy. <laughs> That's a whole thing, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I think we um, we probably realised how lucky we are here. With At this point in time, there's only one active case. Um and then you look over there and you see what's going on, not just with COVID-19, but with the George Floyd saga at the moment. It's pretty scary, isn't it? It's very scary. And we're so lucky here and we live in such a beautiful country. And mm. I'm so pleased to be home and, and somewhere safe. And I know that we're well looked after here. So Yeah, you can't complain yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, so we'll get into a bit about um, Iowa State later. But I just want to start it off with um, where did it all start in the golfing scene for you? Like, how old were you when it started? Who got you into it? Who taught you the game? And how long did it take to fall in love? Um, so basically, mum and dad played. Um, we played at, well, they played at Murawai in South Head up in Auckland. And mum and dad would take us in the bayonet and put us under the um, tables at Murawai <laughs> Golf Club on a Friday night when they go and have dinner or something, yeah. a few drinks. Um, so we had been around golf since basically we were born. Um, Sean, he was a. He was always having a golf club in his hand, and I was sort of not far behind him as well, so we're very lucky. Um, in that sense that we've always just grown up with it. Mum, she sort of stopped playing a bit now, but that's sort of where it all started. And, yeah, I ended up playing um, a series called Junior Tiger when I was probably, I think it was 2010 maybe, when um, that started up, and that sort of got me going. It's just a nine-hole series that they um, put up and... You can win a trip to, I think it was Worlds or Disneyland or something like oh, that. Wow. Yeah, if you won the um, national thing of it. So, yeah. yeah, that was... That's crazy. Sort of got it started, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. How'd you go on that? Do you remember? Um, well, I remember I went to the national one, but I don't... I didn't make the international one, obviously, but yeah. So you're a bit of a natural from when you first picked up the clubs. Yeah, I mean, I played hockey for 10 years at um, primary school, intermediate, and the start of when I went to Aquinas, so... Hand-eye was already there. Yeah, hand-eye was already there. Yeah, outstanding. So did you have much coaching when you were younger, or...? Um, I guess not. We would sort of just go out there with our golf clubs and go for a hit around. I didn't play necessarily... Um, a bit in the middle there probably in primary school but we were always going to the golf club and we'd always be there helping out whether it was doing the raffles or helping out with prize giving or something we were always yeah. around it so I mean there was no way if you didn't play golf you, you weren't really there you know what I mean yeah, so yeah, you just sort of sure. had to end up playing golf so yeah <laughs> so is that kind of growing up in a club environment like that at a golf club is that kind of the vibe that it's a family orientated club and everyone's helping out in different ways you might have someone on the bar or something like that and someone doing the meat raffle or whatever is that how it works or? yeah it is sort of somewhat family orientated so this is when we were at a Hopi we moved there when we were like five yeah and it's very much so um you see the same people every weekend and whatnot and I guess you do somewhat come like family especially down at Omanu here yeah. um with me and Sean were so well looked after 
by the members there even though we were so little they would just encourage us all the time so we're very lucky that we've had that sort of upbringing and I, I couldn't be more grateful to have the upbringing that I had so yeah right so yeah. What, how old were you when your family moved from Auckland to the Mount? Um, so I moved from Auckland to Ahopi and I went to Ahopi Beach Primary School there and St Joseph's um, up till year seven I think oh, yeah. so um, we moved probably I was year seven when I moved from Ahopi up to here in Tarawa so right. yeah and then sort of went to Aquinas from year eight on so yeah how did yeah. your uh, family decide which golf course you're going to affiliate yourselves with? Um, so when we were at a Hopi, we had we were travelling up here every weekend for junior events. Oh, okay. So um, we sort of had new people up here, and we used to stay at their house um, all the time when we'd come mm. up, and they would look after us, and they were members at Omanu, and it's such a friendly club that I think that's where we ended up um, joining, and then we um, lived down the road by Omanu Golf Club, so we would... Just made sense. Yeah, it just yeah, made sense, really. Yeah. Oh, Awesome. Um, so you're coming up through the junior ranks. When did you figure out you're pretty decent at golf? Um, I guess I was playing a lot of the just smaller junior events. Um, I played, like, there was a, an event called Why Can I Want to Stroke Play? I ended up winning that four years in a row, the different age group categories, and we'd have different Bay Plenty events and whatnot, and I'd sort of start going away and getting picked on teams to go. You'd go to Wellington or Gisborne or Taranaki or something like that, and I think that's the fun part about it. It was sort of um, you're playing with people your age, and you play with them all the time, and it's just a fun environment, so I guess that's sort of what got me enjoying it so much just sort of playing with the same people over in game and sort of traveling around it was really fun so you just love that team camaraderie part of it as much as you love being out on the course yeah and we used to even down here on a a rainy day like it is today we would be out there and hitting skim shots across big puddles (laughs) or like jumping in the puddles or going out and playing holes we would just get up to all sorts so outstanding yeah (laughs) um do you want to talk about a little bit i want to get in depth uh, about your training a little bit later but just now touch on were you doing much training in those years or were you kind of just playing courses and playing for fun? Um, there was a bit like I'd come home after school and I'd go down to the golf course and especially at this time of year you'd go down straight after school so you'd catch the bus, run home and change your gear and then <laughs> buy mum, I'm off, grab a bit of food and head down to the golf club and then practice till dark. So I guess then it was practice but it didn't really seem like practice if mm. you know what I mean. You're sort of doing it um, because... I guess in some ex- some extents that you're on a high handicap so you can improve fast as well. So that's the other factor in it. I think you want to get that much better and there's that yeah. potential to get much better. So I think that's what made it so fun that yeah. you could sort of get that much better in, I guess, a shorter amount of time compared to now. It's much harder to get better. So I guess that's mm. sort of the... Keep are, you, to go back. <laughs> are you a competitive person then? Just touching on that, seems like you're quite keen to compete if it's not against other people yourself even and try and improve that way. Yeah, I think that's just like anyone in sport, if you want to get good at something, you've got to be somewhat competitive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like winning things, but, you know, you don't <laughs> always end up winning things at the end of the day, so it's yeah. about taking the good with the bad, but, yeah, definitely competitive. <laughs> <laughs> um did you have any coaches you worked with then, or kind of just hitting around with your parents and yourself? And your um, we did have a few coaches. So I worked with Andrew Gurney to start off with. Um, Michaela Bell, she um, helped me out a little bit in there. Jay Carter, he's over at Tarawa Golf Club. Right. Worked with him a little bit. Um, so sort of getting bits and pieces from everyone. And I guess growing up, it's sort of more about refining mm. what you're doing. And, you know, just getting better and better. And then yeah. say, here, try this, do this. And you're sort of learning yourself as well, so if something right. happens, you can sort of 
fix mm-hmm. it yourself. But it's probably a bit of value in um, figuring out stuff for yourself. But like um, they talk about being coachable, um, but you get to a certain point where you figure out you can coach yourself in a way if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and definitely. you can figure some stuff out that way. Eh? Yeah, no, that's definitely it, and that's something that my coach also says that I'm doing. I'm very coachable. Like mm-hmm. we get on. Um, it's called KVS, where you put sort of a thing on around your pelvis and around your back, and it shows you how your body's moving basically. And oh, I'm wow. able to stand like my self awareness is really good, so yeah. I'm able to sort of get feelings for things and sort of change quite quickly. So I think that's one thing that's really helped me yeah. get to the point where I am now. I'm I'm very self aware and coachable, and I'm wanting to always get better. So mm, that's yeah. a key attribute, um, especially going through the college scene at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. definitely. Um, so I want to touch now on 2016, because that was a pretty special year, wasn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. So can you remember what happened during that year? Off the top of my head, not particularly, <laughs> but I think you might know better than me. I've got, a, I've got uh, written down here, I've got the Lydia Co. Scholarship, so that was quite massive, yeah, wasn't it? Was so do you want to talk a bit about that actually first? Yeah, so um, there was a Lydia Co. Scholarship that was up for grabs, it was the first year. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, this could be kind of cool. So mum and dad like, yeah, send an application. Okay. <laughs> so I sent it in, and um, I was chosen with one of my other friends I grew up playing with, Momoka. Um, she's from down in Christchurch. Yeah. So we went um, over to the States and went and hung out with Lydia for three days, maybe? Three or four days it was, Yeah. I'm thinking. So, Crazy. yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> so where'd you, where was, where was uh, Lydia based at that time? Um, so she was down at Reunion Resort in Florida. Right. And so I flew into. I went over there and I did a whole sort of big trip. So I went down there for an event, then I went up and saw Lydia, and then I went up and visited um, Iowa State, yeah. and then I went down to Argentina. So I did a bit of a oh, wow. yeah month month traveling on my own over there. Somewhat. That's crazy. So, well, just by yourself. Yeah. Wow, how was that? Um, it was very scary um going to florida and you mm-hmm. i was getting billeted with people yeah. so it was midnight i got there and you just go into someone's house and you don't know them and i had no wi-fi and i couldn't message mom and i was sort of like freaking out a bit like i'm at these you know <laughs> I'm in America, yeah, yeah on the other side of the world by myself and i can't can't contact my parents i was like oh jeez but you know it was it was a good learning experience for myself so outstanding so yeah. what and the whole thing in general like what was lydia like and what kind of advice was she passing over to you guys she is incredible she is it's basically like I, I could sit here and talk to her like I'm talking to you she's yeah. so down to earth um so willing to help you know everyone around her um we were standing there hitting some wedges with her and she's just like she's just got such a touch it's yeah. amazing to just see her in action like right in front of you and some of the um different drills and the people she has around her as well like we were hitting balls one day and I remember she had someone out on the green where she was hitting the wedges and she had a coach standing there and then she had someone standing there like cleaning her golf balls and putting them down for her in front of her I was like oh okay so I was I was with um Jay Carter and I was like oh Jay this is this is what you need to start doing with me (laughs) so yeah that was it was just amazing to see the the caliber and what you get at that sort of level, mm. if you know what I mean, like you've got everyone the, around the, you. The drive of work and that sort of thing. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So it's it was. What was it? What was the work ethic like that oh, you saw? Incredible! Like, um, she would be out there with her dad. Would go out with her each day at that point, and um, she would 
go and do some practice and then she would go to the gym and then she would go and play some holes. You know what I mean? Like every yeah. single day you're just Just living and breathing golf. You are just literally living and breathing golf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably not a bad lifestyle really, is it? No, it's, <laughs> it's not bad. If you love the game, it's, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't oh, exactly. ask for much more. Dream so. scenario. Yeah. Do you remember uh, many pieces of advice she imparted with you guys or? Um... I don't particularly. I think it's just more watching her and seeing yeah, what she did. Yeah, observing. Yeah. Yeah, because I just like you know watching. Just soaking it all up. Yeah, almost. just soaking yeah. it all in basically. So it was. I think that part of it was was just as cool. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Twenty sixteen, you also won your first care. Oh no, sorry, it was your second care open, wasn't it? Um, was it first? I think it was my first. Uh, I won the twenty. 17 and 2016 one. Right, okay, so that would have been your first that year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, what was that like? Was that your first, like, major win? Um, I think the one, I think I won the Murawai Open up in Auckland, which is also a Charles Tour event. Right, okay, um, so that was your second Charles Tour win. Yeah, Yeah. from what I can remember. Um, And that was pretty cool, it's just awesome to be able to do it, um, basically, down the road, Mm. which was pretty awesome. Yeah, because that was a Tarrant Golf course, wasn't it? Yeah, so you had people from the golf club come out, and there's all sorts of people around, and it's just cool to be able to, you know, do it here at home, so. Yeah, what do you remember from those few days? Um, I can't remember much as bad (laughs) as that sounds. I remember the second time I won, what that was like, because I was just about going to college, so that was... Yeah, it was quite an important sort of... Yeah, it was like the last New Zealand golf event I was almost playing I think yeah before I left um but the first one I don't particularly remember I remember Murawai and winning that one mm. but I just don't remember the yes yeah. what do you remember about Murawai then um that was pretty cool the first round I remember it was blowing a gale like absolute gale yeah. we were on the 10th 11th 12th it might have been the 13th hole it's a dog leg up around to the left and it's like the most exposed area on the course on the green. Yeah. And it was so windy, like the balls were just Whoa. rolling off the green. And I, um, <laughs> I saw one of the New Zealand golf guys. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually refusing to putt at this point. Like my ball won't stop moving. So <laughs> it got, um, I think they canned it for a little bit that day. And then we went back out and I ended up shooting 77, which oh, was yeah. one of the better rounds of yeah. the day. And then I remember um, playing the last three rounds. I played pretty well to say the least. So I was yeah. pretty Pretty, pretty chuffed with that. Yeah, yeah. and Mirawai's my favourite course as well in the country, basically. So to be able to oh, do it there, I was sweet. like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what about your second Karis Open then? Because you, you said you remember a little bit from then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, the last round I had like a 70, uh, 67 or I had like a 5 under or 6 under or something, yeah. I think, like that. Because that was a pretty close round, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it yeah. was, and I just... I played some incredible golf that day, and, and looking back, I'm like, oh, that was that was pretty good going. Yeah. When you yeah. play, like, an incredible round like that, do you try and think back and maybe it's that day or the week leading up what your preparation was like and try and use that again, or...? Yeah, I guess it's somewhat that, and just... Um, sort of remembering the feeling of what it was like and how if you're in that position again I guess and mm. how you can you know you can deal with it again yeah and I think that's an important part to know that you are able to do that again it sort of happened to me in college um this time last year one of the events I ended up shooting um six under and knowing that I had been in that position before is something that going into something like that it can give you real confidence and it's one of those things it's like um, performance builds confidence or some of the saying like that eh? yeah that's basically it so mm-hmm. the more you do it and the more comfortable you get the 
you can just sort of back yourself in the situation like yeah I've been there and done this before so there's nothing stopping me doing it again mm. basically oh for sure yeah um, so I want to delve a little bit deeper into your training now so yeah. maybe we'll talk a little bit about what your training looked like if you're back at college in Iowa what would yeah. that look like on a daily basis and how does that help you evolve as a golfer really yeah so um, college basically um, we can do 20 hours in season we can do 20 hours practice a week so that's a gym and practice that will compulsory that coaches um, can allow us to do with them um, so if I was to wake up on a Monday morning I'd probably have class at 8 a.m um, between 8 and 12 I'd have classes and practice would be from one o'clock till maybe four o'clock so we'd do like three hours of practice a day um, which doesn't seem like much but when you start chucking everything in, yeah. it's, it's quite time consuming and then uh, we would go to the gym for an hour so maybe 4.30 to 5.30 um, go home have some dinner might have some tutoring even for some classes um, other meetings and whatnot around and then you'd go home and end up studying until you fall asleep and then <laughs> wake up and do it again yeah. so yeah so they talk about in different sports, especially in America, they're huge on, uh, for example, golfer's body or a basketballer's body, a footballer's body. What does a golfer's body look like and what kind of gymming are you doing to, you know, kind of mould your, mold your yeah. golfer's body? Um, our stuff is quite explosive stuff. So we might get some med balls and sort of throw some med balls around, um, sort of getting moving quite quick so we might do some squatting let's say but you sort of keep your body moving quite fast yeah. keep that explosiveness going um we work quite a bit in smaller muscles as well like these small shoulder muscles that end up helping us out that yeah you know a basketballer probably doesn't Won't necessarily use, yeah. need um it's very much about our core muscles too um being yeah. able to stabilize over the ball and whatnot so mm. yeah a lot of the bigger muscles um i guess your butt and your legs and yeah yeah, cool. It's all about getting some power behind your swing by the sounds. Yeah, it? basically. Yeah. So whatever you can do to do that, it's, yeah. you're going good. <laughs> um, does Iowa have their own course? Iowa State have their own course um, on campus? or it's So we have a course that's on campus called Coldwater, and yeah. that's we go there to qualify more in August um, when school starts up. Yeah. Um, but we ha- we go to the um, a golf course called the Harvest golf course called the Harvester. Yeah. That's about forty minutes away from campus. Right. And we would play there on weekends um, in the fall, particularly because it's still sunny, so we can mm. go and go outside and play on the weekends. And um, it's amazing. It's base. It's a national golf course now, I think. So you can only get on there um, if you're a member or know someone, I think, or it costs a lot of money to get on there. So it's basically like an invite-only scenario? Yeah, basically yeah. like Augusta, you can only get invited yeah. or pay a lot of money mm. to get on there. So yeah. we're very fortunate that um, we have access to the golf course and we can play it whenever we want, and my teammates just played it today, so oh, it's immaculate. The course yeah. is absolutely amazing, so we are very fortunate to be able to Does that make a huge it. difference when you're playing those immaculate courses, or it's more just aesthetically pleasing to be able to play on those sorts I of mean, it's very aesthetically pleasing, to, to say the least, for a golfer to be able to play yeah. on it, all the, the grass perfectly done, but it definitely helps if you go from a course where the greens are running at 12 Mm. all the time and it's slopey greens and you've actually got to think about where you're putting the ball and then you go yeah. to a course that maybe doesn't require as much strategy you know it sort yeah. of takes a bit more of that yeah could only be good for your golf can't it uh, yeah it does yeah. my golf wonders i remember qualifying last year i was playing so bad around there like I, that course basically ate me alive for the, <laughs> for the whole full season while we were practicing there yeah. so yeah it's very um it can really ground you sometimes <laughs> mm, yeah 
Um, does it take much like getting used to when you go from say let's go like a club around here like a mano where you play the mount and then you go over there and you're playing not saying these those aren't immaculate courses but then you're playing those immaculate invite only courses is it huge adjustments um it's huge adjustments it just involves a lot more thinking about where you're hitting the ball yeah that's one i would say that's one of my strong points my course management i sort of can think my way around the golf course Mm. um so for me it's just more about knowing where you have to hit the ball and you just have to be slightly more accurate everywhere you go so i think that's more of what it involves whereas here at Omani you can sort of afford you can afford to hit a few bad shots but over yeah. there if you hit a bad shot well can cost you yeah it'll cost you <laughs> so you consider course management obviously pretty big priority in your preparation um yeah definitely it's, yeah. I would go out and um each night before I would play especially the first round I'll go through my yardage book put in pin positions because we get um strike yardage books so we have all the pin the greens and whatnot um, yeah. already done for us and yeah. we have the fairways done as well so I'll go through there put the pins in and then go through the yardage book and sort of circle where I want to go and each right. time and then I'll do a bit of Im- imagery in my head <laughs> and sort of you know go over yeah. it so then at least you know you get there on the day and you know that this is where I'm going there's and, no surprises sort of thing eh? yeah basically mm. you've already pre-done it in your head you've already yeah. played around the golf so I find that's actually really helped me quite a lot in um, when I play well and I perform at my best, that's what I do basically. With that preparation sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So how long are you spending on the yardage book a night sort of thing, or are you doing it as you go around? Um. So around? the yardage book a night because it's already done for us and it's already like oh, mapped out for us. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. But going through it and sort of circling where I want to go and stuff that'll yeah. take probably like an hour or something. So yeah. I mean, with all the other schoolwork and stuff that sort of gets chucked behind it <laughs> when you when you go away and travel, but um. Yeah, before I go to sleep, I'll just sit there and go through and sort of make sure I've got all my yeah. plans up for the next day. Um, aren't you, you're all academic, big, is it Pac-12, Big 12? Big 12. Big 12, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're doing all this golf prep and you're going really well with your golf, but you've still got time for your schoolwork. How does that, how does that sound? Um, yeah, I've, I really was quite committed to my schoolwork. Um, mm. Not that I'm still not, but my freshman year... Um, very a lot of hours doing it a lot of time um didn't really get the whole golf school social life um, balance quite right that was quite (laughs) hard um and probably um it would have been 2018 the end of 2018 I was like yeah this is this is not what I want to do so I sort of had to sort of I guess recoup and refocus to what I'm actually wanting to achieve and sort of trying to step back off um, being so dedicated and getting wanting to get good grades all the time that was a really hard thing for me to have mm. to be like hey look this is this is only part of who you are it doesn't define mm. who you are and I can still get a bad grade and that's fine and I'll pass um, yeah so stepping back from that and just accepting yeah. that everything doesn't have to be perfect was very hard but mm. I'm at a good place now with all that so that's yeah. good and I'm still getting good grades and stuff so oh, <laughs> there's no worries there yeah. yeah so what's changed in that aspect do you maybe the five extra hours you're putting into your school if that's going to golf now or that's going to your social life? How does, how's that changed? Um, I would say I would put it more into having coffee with friends or um, just doing something outside. I might sit down and, I don't know, watch TV for a bit. Mm. Um, just something that gives me a bit more balance and I guess I'm just not so rushed and wound up about everything. It's mm. just sort of a bit more of a 
relaxing part of my day. So it like takes your mind away from yeah. golf and school, and being it? so busy all the time as well. Yeah. So I just I've been having a lot of coffee dates with my friends. Starbucks <laughs> is on the corner onto campus. So I'll be like, oh, oh text nice. one of my mates and be like, oh, do you want to go and get a coffee and sit down there and have a coffee? It's just a way to slow your day down. So yeah, that's <laughs> <It's> outstanding. <good. laughs> um, so you touched on a little bit before preparing for your tournament. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your game of golf anyway? Um, I would say it's kind of boring, actually. <laughs> um, I personally wouldn't say um, girls' golf is very exciting. Like I watched my brother. I played with him yesterday. And that was exciting for me to watch. But my yeah. golf, very down the middle, boring. Um, hit the fairway, hit the green, couple of putts. You know, I might have the odd bogey or double here. but No laying out the way. No, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I had a funny conversation with one of my teammates about that. Like, she's like... You don't need to lay up. Just hit your drive out later. <laughs> okay, so drive out. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back in a second. All right, we're back, and I suppose now, Elena, I just want to talk a little bit about um, your introduction to the collegiate golf scene and how that started. What was it like, kind of um, trying to find a score to play for first of all, and yeah, how that kind of unfold. Yeah, so um, trying to find a school was, wasn't was too bad. I think I was lucky because I played so much for New Zealand golf and basically travelled the world with them somewhat, you could say. Mm. Um, I had some you know good finishes here at home, so that made the process a little bit easier for my golf resume, you could say. Um, so basically I just made a golf resume, did a blurb about myself, went to Golfstat, which is um, collegiate golf. They have all the scores and the teams and everything like that, and sort of found schools that were within my sort of reach somewhat um, competitive but not too hard that I can't play each week and then not schools that are too easy and I can't sort of push yeah. myself a little bit more. Um, so I sent my CV thing out to about 16 schools. Um, I heard back from, I got back from maybe five of them. I was going to take five official visits. I ended up visiting, um, I went to Iowa State first. Um, I went to... South Carolina and Baylor um, oh, for yeah. visits. So yeah, I sort of they were sort of schools that are sort of somewhat around the similar, I guess ranking there. So yeah, yeah. cool. To Some good names there. Like you hear about those names even when you're from New Zealand, and not just with golf, but your basketball and your American football and stuff like that. You hear those names quite common. So they're all like decent levels of universities, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, they are, and they're all in um, what they call Power Five conference as well, which is. Um, I guess a big thing to get into over there. Um, mm. Financially, I guess you could say they're quite stable in that sense. You know, they're the top yeah. um, schools. They've got Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, SEC and ACC. So they were all within those conferences. So that was something yeah. I was pleased with too. Nice to be able to play some competitive levels of golf. Yeah, it? completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why Iowa State? Yeah, um, so it was sort of funny in that sense. There was one of the... We've already got New Zealand um, boys up there at the time, so we had Nick Vogue. He's from Auckland um, on the men's golf team there. Sam Vincent from um, Waikato, he was going up there. And Denzel Romea, he was up there already. And um, one of them sent me a message and was like, hey, you should think about sending coach your information. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um and I sent it out to there and like two days before we were booking the flights to go up coach messaged me and she was like hey come for a visit here and we were like okay yeah sure so we went up there and it was my first place and I guess I ended up choosing it so it sort of just all happened I guess things happen for a reason so it was very cool to 
I guess, um, had the opportunity to go there and a big choice in me going there was that there were New Zealanders already up there. Mm. Um, I think that's a big thing for me to be able to fit in up there was to have that sort of surrounding, knowing people that sort of, I guess, they get me in some way, you know, yeah. the cultural um, differences. Not that it's much, but it's just sort of nice to have sure. you know, Kiwis up there and Australians also up there, so that was mm. really um, key for me to settling in there and sort of, um, yeah, just adapting, basically. Were there any differences in the facilities that Iowa State had compared to those other schools you listed off earlier that were game changers for you? Um, the facilities at Iowa State are probably the best in the country. It's basically 750 yards of just the greenest, most beautiful grass you've ever seen. <laughs> There's like um, 10 or 15 greens on there, so you can go around and play holes. There's bunkers, there's waste grass, there's ponds, there's basically anything you can imagine, any kind of shot, different wind directions, just everything about it is immaculate basically, so yeah, it's it's pretty awesome facility yeah. we've got. How, uh, how common is it for, if you take current pros, for them to have gone through that collegiate scene first? Yeah, so it's becoming more, um, I guess familiar that people take that path um I guess you've got the likes of John Brahm he went to I think Arizona and John Spieth like Texas you've got you know Justin Thomas I think he was LSU so it's definitely the path that people are deciding to take now um on the woman's side of things you've got Maria Fassi she's from Mexico she was um at Arkansas she's just gone through and um she's on the LPGA now doing well and um Jennifer Cupcho as well, she's just recently gone on LPGA, so there's definitely some, it's definitely the path that people are taking to get to the next level, you could say. Why do you think that's slowly changing then? Um, I guess collegiate golf is so international. You've got people from all over the world. So my junior stuff that I was playing um, all over the world, I would know people from South Africa or Australia or... Asia, you know what I mean? Anywhere mm. I would see people and I would go to college and you'll just bang into them there and see them there in the different teams. So I guess that's what makes college golf, I guess, a stepping stone because it's so competitive. Yeah. Um, and Always getting the have, best of the best, aren't you? Yeah, basically. Yeah. If you look at um, like the world amateur rankings, I haven't recently looked, but I know like the top 10 world amateur rankings, you're going to have, most of them are going to be college players. So. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty impressive stuff. <laughs> yeah, so there's a good talent pool within the collegiate scene, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. We're very lucky to go out, and our schedule's really competitive as well. We're one of the better ones, I would say, in the country, so in that sense, it's every week you're playing very competitively against different teams. So Is that hard to deal with that kind of pressure week in and week out of playing against the best then? Um, I, I wouldn't say it is a lot of pressure. Coach does a really good job, I guess, with us at just wanting to get the best out of us, and... Um, she knows that we've put in all the work and she really um, enforces that on us I guess you could say and really just backs us and know that we can go out there and play our best so mm. I wouldn't say I feel any pressure necessarily from coach every week which is something that you don't get from um, every school out there so in that sense mm. very fortunate that um, we can just sort of go out there and, and play our own games and you know she'll know that we'll play well because we've put the work in Yeah for sure What's it like um, being involved with a college or university that's known for all these different sorts of sports golf, cycling, you know, cycling's women's golf is one, then you've got, you know, your cycling's basketball, your cycling's football, all these different sports. That must be 
quite unique being around campus when there's such a big emphasis on sport. Yeah, it is different in that sense over there. I think there's around 480 student athletes. Um, so you walk around campus and we have Iowa State backpacks and like my snow coat you know, where, um, you can tell you know athletes you look at people's shoes and you're like oh they're a student athlete or I don't know they have different basketball players got different bags where they went somewhere so you can just sort of like look at mm-hmm. people and be like oh yeah you're a student athlete and I guess it's just nice seeing people like a friendly face around campus yeah. and being like oh yeah you're a student athlete too so it's very cool <laughs> um, did you want to talk a little bit about the controversy about you know the NCAA, the name, image, and likeness saga. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, it's um, actually it's quite interesting. It's really popped up in the last the last semester. It was quite big, and last fall it was it was pretty big too. Um, it's becoming such a controversy, I guess, because different states are wanting to put different laws in about it. So you could have California doing one thing, and Iowa isn't going to do the same thing. So I think that's one reason why the NCAA are wanting to. Um, sort of speed the process up so that doesn't it sort of doesn't break the NCAA in many senses. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a thing at school called the Student Athlete Advisory Council, and that's basically the student athlete voice in decisions that they make like that, and that's something that's been big and come up um, with us. And then they sort of take our voice to our conference, the Big Twelve, and then the Big Twelve to. Um, the national NCAA level so there's a lot of communication going um, between different levels and I think it's people don't realize the um, the broader implications of putting something in like that so for golf um, if I was to get paid that would break my amateurism status so Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't be NCAA eligible Um, you've also got things if you get the football players in there and they get paid and then there's a lot of things to do with like the logo and the business side behind it and the effects that that has on the logo and if people can use it or not and I think I heard something about taxes as well like there's so much stuff underneath Mm. that people don't consider when they're thinking about things like this and I guess the reason that we go to college is because we love the sport that we do we don't go there necessarily to get paid if we want to get paid I mean go to the pro ranks but yeah. I guess for the purpose of what the NCAA is there for um, it's not really to get paid so I don't know I'm quite passionate somewhat <laughs> about this and I don't think that we should get paid but everyone has their own personal opinion and you know we're sort of I don't know it's just going to be interesting I guess to see how it evolves like when I leave it's going to be a, a bigger thing than it is now so mm-hmm. yeah interesting to see do you think um that there should be a way in, in what you can endorse brands. So, for instance, using Cleveland golf clubs and getting paid to use them, not necessarily getting paid from Iowa State at all, but you right. know, endorsing brands. Um, I don't know. I still think that takes out the whole amateurism thing again. I guess like we can still get help from. So, Titleist could give me balls, hat, gloves, and shoes. I used to get that deal here. Yeah. Um, before I went to college, and I can still get that, but I guess I'm not promoting it somewhat yes so i don't know we all choose we'll have our own brands like i like playing tightless balls and Mm. clubs and you know people like playing tailor-made and i guess it's just their personal preference so if people decide to come along and say hey we'll give you this to play with clubs it's sort of i don't know i think it's a bit still a bit of that gray area um, yeah it's definitely a bit gray area so it'd be interesting to see yeah it's it's an interesting topic isn't it it is you could talk a while yeah (laughs) very controversial um how big is your team, the women's team, and how many coaches do you guys have? Is it just the one coach? Um, so we have a head coach and assistant coach, 
and um, we've got there's six of us in the team and coming up this fall there's going to be eight of us so each week basically coach will take there'll be five in a team that will um, play so you get four scores out of the five count towards a team score and then coach normally takes an individual to most events so we were all travelling last fall and spring basically Mm. Um, and then coming up this fall there's going to be eight because one of our seniors Amelia she's decided to stay on because of this whole coronavirus thing Um, we got our eligibility back for a season they said all spring sports can get the year of eligibility back oh that makes sense doesn't it yeah that was very changing by the day as well but so she's decided to come back on the team and we've got two new freshmen so we're going to have a team of eight next year and that's the biggest team we've had so yeah i'm sort of looking forward to that dynamic and seeing how that goes as well yeah how many different um countries are there within the team and cultures is it? um so at the moment there is um me from new zealand amelia she's from australia joy and ruby are from taiwan um jj she is from Thailand and Liana, she's from Malaysia. So we've got wow. a different mix um, of people everywhere. And then next year we're going to have um, Ali, she is from Cedar Rapids in Iowa, I think it is. And Charlie, she's from Australia. So okay. we're very international based. Yeah. Um, What's that like? Um, it's interesting when you get the different cultures coming together. Um, to say the least, it's you sort of learn a learn. The, you learn a lot about yourself and others as well in their mm-hmm. cultures and I guess um, learning to respect different people how they do things and whatnot. so yeah, yeah it's, it's um, I guess a cool thing to be able to say that I've done I guess when I finished college and gone to the workplace and stuff you know having that diversity yeah. in I guess college so yeah Do you find um, when you've got the different cultures do they bring different ways of playing golf into the team? Um, I guess you could say so so um Joy and Ruby from Taiwan, they like play Asian practice, so like yeah. they'd stay on the range all the time and hitting. So okay. for them, it was a big thing coming over, and um, I guess learning to not just stand there and hit balls all the time yeah. um, was a big thing for them. So, so as opposed to playing the course more and that sort of thing, is it yeah, basically, yeah. or doing some putting practice or chipping or just you know oh, okay. making a few more games out of your practice rather than just mm-hmm. mindlessly standing there hitting balls. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess for them it was different adapting, and yeah. for each of us, I guess it's different in that sense, but that's, that's just right. one example of how that sort of evolves, I guess. Yeah. Is your coach American? Yes. So, um, coach, she went to Northwestern University and played there, and then she went straight out of there and went to Purdue, and she was the assistant coach there, mm-hmm. and then she's come to Iowa State, and she's been there, I think, 14... 13, 14 years now. Oh, wow. She so just says she's been there for 10 years, but yeah. she's actually been there for a bit more than that now. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's very established and she's really um, been able to create an amazing program. She's had some amazing players through there and um, she's got a lot of respect um, from, you know, different players and coaches throughout um, college golf. So, yeah, we're very lucky to have her at Iowa State. Was she a big reason for you going to Iowa State? Um, yeah, I guess she was as well. Just going there and on the visit and she's so um, peppy and happy, you know what I mean? Like, she's really welcoming. She has four kids herself under the age of, I think, 11. Oh, wow. So, yeah, she's travelling with us and then she's got all of her kids and then there's six of us soon to be eight, so she's going to be dealing with all of us. And <laughs> I don't know how she does it, to be honest. She's amazing, so, yeah. She's, she's awesome and we're very lucky to have her. Yeah. Are you learning quite a bit from her day to day? Yeah, definitely. Um, so she's got a big emphasis on um, creating not just good golfers, but creating us to be good people as well when we graduate. Um, and that's, I think, 
some things that coaches, not every coach gives you. So being able to come out of Iowa State, I guess, ready for life and knowing um, that, you know, I've, I've learned how to deal with maybe sticky situations with the team or, um, you know, just dealing with situations that you wouldn't get elsewise or guidance on it, I feel it's, it's been really helpful and important and it's sort of shaped me to who I am today and, yeah, I'm very lucky to have that. Mm. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit now about Celia, um, who unfortunately was stabbed playing yeah. around a golf and that was in your first year at Iowa State? Um, so that was in my second year, second it was year. September, so we sort of, um, we played one event in New Mexico and then we went, we were at our second event um, in Michigan and coach that day was being a bit strange, like she was sort of just hanging around the 14th hole and I'm like, yeah, okay, this is a bit bizarre, but whatever, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't tell that anything serious was up, I was like, oh, so it might have happened to her family. And then um, this was, we won that round, so we are going to go into the final of the match play the next day. And then she got us all into the hotel room and said um, that Thel had passed away, um, which I guess you, it's just not something you would yeah. expect, you know what I mean? It comes to stand yeah, in yeah. the room and tell you that. So um, they ended up getting the um, jet plane, the Iowa State jet plane was on the way. It happened in the morning at like 10 o'clock. So we, like, we were on the golf course the whole day and we had no clue and we did practice afterwards mm. and we still had no clue and coaches didn't even, like, you know, I didn't even get funny vibes from coaches that something yeah. serious like we're that had happened. Yeah, so it was, there. it would just blew me away how strong they were that day to deal with that. Mm. And then we got back to Ames and it's sort of like, it was a plane ride that you just, you didn't want it to touch down because yeah. at that point you knew that sort of reality was sinking in and... Mm that it had actually happened and it was just very weird getting back to Ames and we were there with the men's golf team and a lot of the um, athletic staff as well and it was just it was all very strange I guess just being in a situation like that Um, Mm. I guess like nothing prepares you for that does it so at the end of the day but yeah we're very lucky we've had the most amazing support from everyone around there Um, we we could talk to anyone we wanted to you know they'd have like counsellors and um the athletic staff were really good with us. Um, coach was amazing through it. Like, as I said, she we've got us and her own kids, so she's dealing with that. And then you've got all the media thing. Like, it was so big. The Ryder Cup people were wearing, like, yellow ribbons and stuff. Mm. So That's something you've got one on your jacket now, do you? Yeah, I do. I always carry around... Where is it? Here. I always carry around a yellow ribbon on me somewhere. It'll be on my yeah. hair. So we've got one in my golf bag, and then we have CBA logos. So, yeah. Um, Yep, she's never going to be forgotten. <laughs> but it was pretty amazing to see the Ryder Cup um, people wearing uh, yellow ribbons because mm-hmm. I guess people would have seen it happen, but they might not have known why yeah. it was. So, I mean, Tiger Woods was wearing like a yellow, you know, yeah. ribbon on his hat and you've got the best players in the world and they're all just mm-hmm. wearing a yellow ribbon for Thal. And yeah. she would have loved that. She would have been like, oh my gosh, look at me. <laughs> I'm famous. <laughs> was so, she quite a big influence on you when you first turned up then? Yeah, she was amazing. Like... <laughs> The bestest friend you could ever ask for and I've been looking for for like 20, friend, 20 years. She was absolutely amazing and I'm so pleased that I got to meet her and she was in my life and we used to go on coffee dates and breakfast dates and if I had any problems I'd go to her and be like, Thel, help me, what do I do? <laughs> and then I would start um, just, my shit would be everywhere and she'd be like, Kiwi, you need to sort your shit out, pull your shit together. <laughs> okay, thank you. You know, she was just someone there that... Yeah. She would give you a kick up the butt, she would help you out. She's just 
she would do every anything you needed. She would be there to help you. So yeah, yeah, so lucky. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, will you be going back to college after this COVID saga, or it's all up in the air? Who knows? Um, no one actually knows. They're saying that we're going to be going back. Um, I think I just messaged one of the soccer girls this morning. They said their practice was meant to start on July the first. Yeah. It's now July the sixteenth. Right. Um. I, I don't know, no one really, mm. it's just up in the air, just time will tell, but I mean, it's seeming pretty dodgy up there at the moment, yeah. you could say the least, and coming exactly. from a country with nothing, to a yeah. country with everything, I'm mm. like, I don't really know how I feel about that. But it's a safety factor as well, isn't it? It is, and I guess you've got to, um, it's all in well going up there and just sort of, I guess, playing and stuff, but you've got to think that we're travelling every week, you know what I mean, you've got 36,000 people on campus that you don't know where they've been at the end of the day, so mm. I think there's a lot of factors that needs to be considered into us going back up there. Um, the yeah. football players, they've tried to bring some of them back on campus, and there's 120 of them, wow. so you've got 120 football players, and you've got athletic trainers, and the protocols that they have to go through all the time um, mm. to even get the football players in there, it's quite a lot, so... Yeah. I don't know, if football season goes ahead, the likelihood is that we'll go ahead because they bring in like $100 million basically a year and yep. they fund all the sports, all the sports you yeah. could say. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. They've, Iowa State have put an uh, announcement out to say that the stadium capacity is now only going to be 30000 instead of 61000 right. But, I mean, you can get people sitting there, but you go to concessions, you mm. lose the game, and you're going to be in close proximity. So Exactly. I don't know. We'll just, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. It's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> it is very tricky, but yeah, just just wait. <laughs> Got to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what does the What does the future hold for for you? Have you got aspirations of going pro anytime soon? That kind of thing. Um, I don't particularly have any aspirations to go pro anytime yeah. soon. Um, I almost think I've I've done my dash somewhat in golf. Um, I'm looking forward to my last year of school, and um, I can't wait to you know leave it all out there and then I'll come back here and probably get a job and earn some money and I was thinking of going and travelling to Europe but might not do that now but we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens in that sense um, just get some money up and see if I want to buy a house or I don't know car or world's your oyster yeah exactly that's it so Elena yeah. Campbell thank you very much it's been a great chat I've enjoyed it thoroughly thanks for coming in you are welcome